Glad to see you all this morning. I encourage you to take out your Bibles and to follow along to test the things I have to say to see if they are by the Word of God. And if we find them to be true, I hope that we'll take and apply them in our lives to serve God better in the future than we have in times past. Is drunkenness the only thing condemned in Scripture? Is the process of drinking wrong? Is social drinking wrong? What specifically is it that the Bible condemns? If drinking is wrong, why then did Jesus turn the water to wine? And what kind of wine is there talked about in the Bible? These are some questions we strive to answer this morning as we study along, and I want us to study, as we're going to study this morning, the topic of social drinking. Before we get specifically into social drinking, we want to take a look at what the Bible says about drinking as a whole. This morning we're going to study the Bible and drinking, talk about what the Bible does condemn, the definition of social drinking. What is this social drinking we hear talked about? What does the Bible say about social drinking? And then we'll answer the arguments made from Scripture to defend social drinking. But let's get started this morning by talking about what the Bible has to say about just drinking in general. First and foremost, the Bible condemns drunkenness. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 3, I would encourage you to put a marker there in 1 Peter 4. As we'll spend a great deal of time in 1 Peter 4, focusing in on verse 3 this morning. But in 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 3 it says, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. The things he's told them they spent enough of their past life in doing, he lists alongside lewdness and lust, he lists drunkenness. In Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 18, Paul writes, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In Proverbs chapter 23, the picture of the man that is drunk is painted there is in Proverbs 23, Beginning at verse 29, it says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed drink. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you'll be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, or like the one who lies down at the top of the mast, saying, They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. One shall I wake, that I may seek another drink. And so we see in these passages it talks about drunkenness and condemns drunkenness. And Proverbs 23 paints the picture of the man that is drunk and tells to avoid that drunkenness is wrong. It is condemned in the Scriptures. Not only is drunkenness condemned, but revelries are condemned. Again in 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 3, 
First Peter 4 and in verse 3 says, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles, walking in, listen, lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries. Revelries are condemned in First Peter 4 and in verse 3. Romans chapter 13 and in verse 13 says, Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness. And then in Galatians chapter 5 and in verse 21, in the midst of these, these works of the flesh, it says, Envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Revelries are mentioned there as well. The term revelries has to do with a feast, often procession in honor of Dionysus, or a sense excessive feasting. This may not necessarily be a feasting to the point of, of one being drunk, but this is revelries here are talking about excessive feasting. And so there's excessive feasting on, on drinks of alcoholic content and revelries. But in 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 3, drunkenness is condemned, revelries is condemned, but we have a third term that appears only in 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 3, and that is what is condemned as drinking parties. Look again in the term here. When we walk in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties. Drinking parties are condemned. Well, we'll come back to 1 Peter 4 and verse 3 and talk more about these drinking parties and what they are in a moment. We're going to talk about what the Bible has to say about social drinking. But before we come back to 1 Peter 4 and verse 3, I want us to get in our mind an understanding of what social drinking is. The definition of social drinking. Let's get in our mind what we're talking about with social drinking before we talk about what the Bible has to say. Alcoholrehab.com defines social drinking this way. It is possible to define a social drinker in a number of ways. A definition could be based on the amount the individual drinks or their relationship to alcohol. One way to describe a social drinker would be to say that these are individuals who only drink occasionally, do not feel the need to drink alcohol in order to have a good time, never get in trouble because of alcohol, don't do or say anything they regret while drinking, do not spend a lot of time thinking about alcohol, feel no need to control their intake, such individuals never drink enough to worry about having to cut back. That's how alcoholrehab.com would define social drinking. Or, or these are people that they don't see the need to have to cut back because they're not drinking uncontrollably. They're drinking, in, you know, in moderation. They drink on occasions. They don't feel that it's absolutely necessary to drink. They just have to have a drink. But they drink just some on occasions. The Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation defines social drinking this way. Social drinking may be that drink or two that soften the harsh events of the day or release one to relax sociability or just allow you to see the humor of it all. How many drinks do social drinkers drink? It probably varies. Whatever they do, I can say with certainty that social drinkers do not chase after good feelings by drinking more and more until they lose control. To social drinkers, alcohol is not important some wise person said, if you have to drink to be social, that's not social drinking. So again, social drinking are not those that are out of controllably drinking. They just have to have more and more. But they just have a drink or two to soften the harsh events of the day. 
And then psychology today defines social drinking this way. Social drinkers are those individuals who drink in low-risk patterns. According to the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, low-risk drinking for females consists of no more than seven drinks per week and no more than three drinks per sitting. For males, it consists of no more than 14 drinks per week and no more than four drinks per day. So social drinking is in the case those that are, uh, that are, as many in the world today would say, are drinking responsibly. They're not out of control drinkers. They're not, they're not drunk. They're not fit the description of Proverbs where it talks about the drunk man in Proverbs 23. They're not really too distorted. They might pass, they would pass the sobriety test if it was given to them. These are not people that are out of control drinkers, but they drink on occasions. They have some here or there. That's what a social drinker is. That's what somebody that drinks, that has social, partaking in social drinking. It's just drinking here or there on occasions, not uncontrollable drinking. That's the definition of social drinking. What does the Bible say about social drinking? If we opened up to the Bible and we saw a passage that just expressly said, Thou shalt not drink socially. Thou shalt not partake in social drinking. Then it would be pretty straightforward and we would be done. But no such passage expressly states that. Not in those terms, not in the term social drinking. But the principle we find. The principle we find in Scripture. The word social drinking may not appear, but the principle is there. In 1 Peter 4.3, I told you we would come back to that. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and in verse 3, we have three terms appear. We've already seen them. We see the term drunkenness. That's the man that is drunk. Revelries. That's the excessive feasting. Not necessarily to the point of being drunk, but excessive feasting. And then we have the term drinking parties. So what are these drinking parties? Other translations would translate it this way. The NIV says it is carousing. The NET would say it is drinking bouts. Webster's translation would say banquetings. And the Geneva would say it is drinkings. Those are some of the several translations we see of our term here for drinking parties. Carousing, drinking bouts, banquetings, and drinkings. But we still want to understand what this term is. We've got to dig a little deeper to see what this term is. What is this term drinking parties? The term drinking parties comes from the Greek word potus that BDAG would define this way. Notice some key phrases here. So a social gathering at which wine was served a drinking party. And so he defines drinking party as a social gathering at which wine was served. Here's a place where wine is being served. That's the drinking party. Now, just as a side note, these parts up here, when you read it in some of the, the lexicons and stuff, they will give you the definition of a term, and then in this lower half, they may explain to you what they think it means. 
If you notice as you read it here, we have him defining it as a social gathering which wine was served. The bottom half is his, his opinion on things that he thinks that's more out of control or well lubricated. They're less sophisticated. But that doesn't define the term. The term is defined at the beginning. And the term is a social gathering at which wine was served. That's what a drinking party is. It's a gathering at which wine was served. The NET footnote would say, quoting from BDAG, the term refers to a social gathering at which wine is served, hence drinking parties. However, the collection with the other terms in verse 4 suggests something less sophisticated and more along the line of wild and frenzied drinking bouts. Again, referring to BDAG in the latter half of what they say, but notice the definition of the term. The term here refers to a social gathering at which wine was served. So what is a drinking party? At this point, what we've seen is, according to BDAG in the footnote of the NET, is it is a, a, a gathering at which wine is served, a social gathering at which wine is served. So we have wine being served. That's what a drinking party is at a, is served at a social gathering. A.T. Robertson would define, would talk about this word rendered carousings in some translations. Again, this word means this. Old word for drinking carousal comes from the word pino to drink. Here only in the New Testament, in the light of these words, it seems strange to find modern Christians, this is, this is what he writes, it's strange, find strange to find modern Christians justifying their personal liberty to drink and carouse, to say nothing of the prohibition law. Think about that for just a moment. People want to talk about the fact that it's okay to drink. Well, we can have a drink here or there. And so he talks about their personal liberty. That's what people will talk about. It's their personal liberty. If I want to have an occasional drink here or there, it's my personal liberty. But I think it's important we understand the point he's making. Look again at the point, how he defines it. They talk about their personal liberty to drink, but say nothing of the prohibition law. There's a prohibition given here to drinking. The term drinking parties is used, but the, but when he's talking here is there's a prohibition law about drinking. Consider this definition. Drunkenness may be rendered as frequently getting drunk. That's what drunkenness is. That's the first term we find. I don't, I, we'll all agree. Drunkenness is somebody that is getting drunk frequently or constantly drinking too much. That's what drunkenness is. But we're not defining what drunkenness is. We want to talk about this social drinking. Listen to what he says next. But in this type of context, a term for drinking must indicate the drinking of intoxicating liquors. So he says the term here in the handbook of first uh, of the of a handbook on the first letter from, from Peter. He says, talking about this term drinking and drinking parties, that in this text he's talking about drinking. And it refers to the drinking of intoxicating liquors. And so the term drinking parties is referring to any drinking of intoxicating liquors. The prohibition is not to drink. But let's add some more evidence. We've seen the definition of the term. But let's add some more evidence to that. How do we know? How do we know that that's what it means? Okay, so this term drinking parties appears. This word potus, and we talk about a social gathering which wine was served. 
But how do we know in this context that it's talking about drinking in, in, at all? The word potus appears just this one time, but in the Greek language, oftentimes you'll, you'll, you'll have a root word that has a different ending depending on the part of speech it is. If it's in the noun form, a verb form, so on and so forth, it has a different ending. So the word potus appears just one time, but the verb form of this, the word patizo, is used repeatedly throughout the scriptures. So I want you to think about this word patizo for a second. It means to drink. That's what patizo or potus means, to drink. The context of 1 Peter 4.3 tells us it's the drinking of intoxicating liquors. Because that's what's been talked about. Drunkenness and revelries and drinking parties. We're talking about drinking intoxicating liquors. Something, something with alcoholic content. But what is the amount specified? You see, the question then becomes is, does potus or patizo specify an amount? Oh, you can't have so much. Or is it any amount? Well, let's look at what the word means. In Matthew chapter 10 and in verse 42, go to Matthew 10 with me. In Matthew chapter 10 and in verse 42, and Jesus has been talking in the context here in Matthew 10 about who he receives me, receives, or receives you, receives me, he who receives me, receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And in that context, he comes in verse 42 and says, And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. In this text, what he says is, if you take, if you, if you look at the Greek, and whoever patizo, that's our word gives here. Patizo. To give to drink. Whoever patizo, one of these little ones, only a cup of cold water. So our question is, does potus or patizo, is there an amount? You know, if potus meant ten or potus meant five drinks or something like that, or is there an amount? Potus or patizo, the verb form of this word, has been used to refer to as little as one means a drink. Only a cup. He doesn't say who gives so many cups, but only a cup. So the word has been used, this word we're talking about, our word potus, its verb form patizo is used referring to but a specific, but down to one. It's been used to refer to as little as one drink. It's used again in Matthew chapter 25, Well, in Matthew chapter 25, if you remember in the context of Matthew 25, it's the judgment scene. Where Jesus has the sheep, where he talks about the sheep are separated from the goats. And he turns to those on the right and he says, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you patizo me drink. You gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then he turns to those on the left and says, I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you patizo me no drink. You see, he's using our word patizo here. Referring to but a drink. It's been used to refer to one. It's been used to refer to a drink. So this word comes down to as little as one. To as little as just a drink. You see, when you come to First Peter chapter 4 and in verse 3, and what is condemned is the drinking parties. This word pot is what he say, what is condemned here is the drinking of intoxicating drinks altogether. 
It can refer to as little as one. And what is being condemned in 1 Peter 4.3 is not is not wild drinking. That's what revelries is. But when we talk about drinking parties, it's the drinking of intoxicating drinks all together being condemned. That's what social drinking is, is trying to drink responsibly, not out of control, not drunkenness, not these wild parties. I have one here or there. But it's just, but we're talking about in 1 Peter 4.3 is a social gathering at which wine is served and as little as one can be as little as one drink. So drinking altogether is condemned. Drinking at any amount of intoxicating drink is condemned. So what have we seen so far? We've seen what the Bible says about drinking as a whole. The Bible and drinking as a whole. We've seen drunkenness is condemned. We've seen revelries, this excessive feasting is condemned. And we've seen that drinking parties is condemned. We then talked about what social drinking is. Social drinking are people that don't feel the need to control their intake. They're not out of control, drinking just a, just a whole bunch. But social drinkers are people that, that they'll drink in moderation. First Peter chapter four and verse three. We've answered the. Well, we've seen what the Bible says about these drinking parties. This word "potus," a drink. What we've seen is condemned is the partaking and the drinking of alcohol altogether. But then that leaves us with one more thing. There's a couple of questions that are raised. If drinking is wrong, then why? And there's a couple of arguments that's often used. And well, I want us to take a look at those. Let's talk about these these biblical justifications people use for social drinking and see if we can't come to an understanding of the text. The first of those and the most common is if somebody asks you, well, if drinking is wrong, why did Jesus turn water to wine? In John chapter 2, in verses 1 through 11, it says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they had ran out of wine, the mother said to him, We have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some of it out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And then the rest of the story is finished. But that's enough to suffice for our point. Jesus has them fill these water, these pots full of water. And they take it to the master of the feast, and when he drinks, it is wine. So Jesus turned water to wine. So then people go here and say, well, drinking must be okay. If Jesus turned water to wine. Well, the first thing we need to realize is, the term wine is used in the New Testament does not always refer to that which is fermented does not always refer to that which is alcoholic in content. It can mean that. 
In Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 18, which we've already seen, do not be drunk with oinos. That's our Greek word in, in John 2, 1 through 11, that's used for wine. Do not be drunk with oinos, in which is dissipation. Clearly in Ephesians 5 and in verse 18, they're being drunk with something that has alcoholic in content. But in Matthew chapter 9 and in verse 17, Jesus said, nor do they put new oinos in the old wineskins, or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. Same thing in Mark 2.22. They put the new oinos in new wineskins, or in these new bottles. Now in this case, it's not referring to that which is alcoholic, it's referring to unfermented. I know that because in Isaiah chapter 65... In Isaiah 65 and in verse 18, or in verse 8 rather, it says this, Thus says the Lord, as the new wine, this is the Hebrew word tarash, as the new wine is found where? In the cluster. You see, the new wine is that which is found in the cluster. That is, at this point, it's just grape juice. It doesn't have time to ferment. It's that which is in the cluster. So I know that in Matthew, when it talks about new wine, it's that which has been found in the cluster. It's not alcoholic in content. It's grape juice. So the word wine does not of necessity have to be that which is alcoholic in content. It has been used in the Scriptures to refer to that which is alcoholic and that which is not. The same Greek word oinos. So in order to go to John chapter 2 and argue that, that, that social drinking is okay because Jesus turned water to wine, of necessity makes, has to make it alcoholic in content. But the word could be that it is just grape juice. It could just be that which is found in the vine. The word wine has been used in such a way. But not only, not only does the wine not necessarily have to be fermented, but if this passage justifies social drinking, it also justifies drinking in excess. I want you to look again at the text. John chapter 2. Notice the amount of water turned to wine. In verse 6 says, "...there were six water pots of stone..." according to the manner of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. So they take these six water pots of stone, they fill them, it says in verse uh, verse 7, to the brim. So they filled it as full as they can get it. These water pots are as full as they can get it. Each one is either 20 or 30 gallons. And all of this water is turned to wine. Now, if you do the quick math there, taking the low end of that, they're at least 20 or 30 gallons apiece according to the text. If, they're 20, if all six were 20, that's 120 gallons of water. Which means Jesus made 120 gallons of wine for them to drink at the wedding feast. Which means if social drinking is okay, because it is defined in John 2 that Jesus turned water to wine, then revelries must also be okay which we said was excessive feasting. Because Jesus turned so much into wine that they can feast in excess. And so if this passage justifies social drinking, it also of necessity must justify 
revelries. If the wine that is used is alcoholic in content. But if it's not, then it justifies neither one. And as we've seen, the term wine can refer to that which is, which is not fermented as well. The other passage often used to justify social drinking is 1 Timothy chapter 5 and in verse 23. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and in verse 23, Paul writing some instructions to the young preacher Timothy says this, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. And so, in 1 Timothy 5.23, Timothy is told, drink a little wine for your stomach's, stomach's sake. Now, we've already seen that this wine does not have to be fermented. It's still the Greek word, oinos. So we should drink a little oinos for the stomach's sake. We've already seen that oinos can refer to, to that which has come from the cluster. So grape juice. It has been used to refer to alcoholic content, but it's been used to refer to that which is to, to grape juice as well, that which is in the cluster. So in order for this passage to justify social drinking, again, we must make the assumption that it is alcoholic in content. Some would argue because it is for his stomach's sake, it must be alcoholic. But grape juice itself has some healing properties. If somebody has an upset stomach and says, what do you think? The first thing I would say is, would probably be to tell them to go get some grape juice. It does a great deal in helping settle the stomach. So he's got his frequent infirmities and it's for his stomach's sake. We can't say that it's not grape juice because we know that grape juice can help with that. But even at that, it's for the stomach's sake. Even if what he was told to partake, to, to, to drink a little of, is oinos in the sense that it had alcohol in it. He was told to drink very little for medicinal purposes. That's not the same thing as drinking a cup of wine with dinner. That's not the same thing as having a beer with lunch. He was taking it for medicinal purposes. So even if that was the case, it's not the same thing as social drinking even if it was alcoholic in content. Therefore, this passage does not justify social drinking. We don't, it, does not, it does not necessarily mean it was fermented. Even at that, it was for medicinal purposes, not for Timothy to drink for his own pleasure. Social drinking. It's a question that has been asked many a times as to whether or not social drinking is okay. It's a question that we will have to answer many more times. It's a problem that we will face and see many more times in the future. But what have we seen today about social drinking? Well, number one, we talked about what the Bible as a whole says about drinking. We see that drunkenness is condemned. We see that revelries are drinking in excess and excessive feasting is condemned. And drinking parties is condemned. We saw what social drinking is defined as. It's those that drink in, in, what, we would, in what many of today's world would say is responsible manner. They're not out of control. They're drinking some here or there. They don't see a need to control it. But then we looked at what the Bible said. What does the Bible say? And the Bible, in this word, potash, that appears in 1 Peter 4.3, is the condemning of drinking of any intoxicating liquor. We've seen that the word potash, or its verb form, patizo, can be used to refer to as little as a drink. And so what is condemned is any drinking 
of something of alcoholic content. And then we answer the arguments that are given from the Scriptures to, as to social drinking. We've seen that Jesus turned water to wine does not mean that it, is, it was alcoholic in content. Wine can be used to refer to that which is in the cluster. And then that Timothy, in 1 Timothy 5.23, was told to take wine for the stomach's sake. We've seen that it does not necessarily have to be alcoholic. And at that, it was medicinal purposes, not him drinking just because he wanted a drink. And the conclusion we, have re- we must reach from all that we have seen is social drinking. Drinking of any kind is wrong. It may be that there is present this morning one or more who have never responded in obedience to the gospel. If not, you're not guaranteed of another opportunity. What is our life? It is but a vapor that appears for a short time and vanishes away. So if you're here and you've not obeyed the gospel, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, are you willing to repent of your sins, to confess your faith, and be buried in the waters of baptism, to rise and walk in the newness of life? Maybe you're here and you've done that, but you say somewhere along the line you've not lived as you should. If you sin in a private nature, take it to God in prayer. And if it's of a public nature then we will pray with you and for you for God to forgive you. No matter what your need is, if we can assist you this morning in any way, would you not come forward to us together? We stand and we sing.